Let's keep living for him because he is worthy. As we sing the song, he is worthy of it all. And we want to, we want to make sure that we are expressing that when we go into our workplaces, when we are in our neighborhoods. We want to express that and we want to never, ever compromise. And this evening I felt very strongly that the Lord wanted me to talk about something and I've entitled it The Oracles of God. The Oracles of God. I've, I've always I've been fascinated with that uh, particular, with those scriptures that talk about the oracles of God. Um, I, I was blessed by the oracles of God before I knew they were the utterances of God. I knew they were the sayings of God, the words of God, but I, I want to say the utterances of God. And, and the script, uh, before I read the scripture in Romans 3, uh, verses 1 through 4, uh, I would say that, like to say that I've preached Christ here at the fellowship for 34 years. And then in the last uh, 20 years, even more so, just constantly, never ever deviating from that. And sometimes it may seem to you that lately I've deviated from that, but there's no deviation. And there's no deviation because my preaching now is showing you what life in Christ demands. Because sometimes I was leaving it up to you to draw the right conclusion. But now I'm saying to you what life in Christ demands. It demands separation from the world. It demands obedience to the Lord and everything in word and in deed. And, and that's what it demands of us. So we don't have a right to bring our opinions to the, to the throne of God. We are not God's advisors. Or as Paul said, we are not his counselors, and we must remember that. In Romans chapter 3, I'd like to begin there because Paul uh, uh, is writing and he asks a question. He said, what advantage then has the Jew? You know, what is there an advantage to being Jewish or a Jew? He says, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way. And when you hear that, and you, uh, the, the scriptures saying this, you wonder what does he mean by much in every way? I thought we were, were one. Uh, and, and now is Paul teaching uh, the Jewish supremacy? I think he is bringing something to us even greater than that. He is bringing something to us that, that is so precious, and I'm going to share it in, in a short while. He asks, uh, then what profit uh, is there, what is the profit of circumcision? It's as much in every way. Chiefly, primarily, preeminently, because to them were committed the oracles of God. He says the, the, the Jews were the first people group on this planet who were given God's utterances. They had God's utterances. And so the, while everybody else was speaking uh, naturally, they were speaking God. And that, that's so big for me. And, and he says, for what if some did not believe? Because there's always somebody who's going to say, but they didn't all believe. You know, as though that would somehow negate what God has spoken and what God has done. He says, for what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? But the faithfulness of God is how our, our, um, our translators translated it. But it's the, the Greek word uh, pistis, which is, does it make the faith of God of none effect? Did God make a mistake when he entrusted his utterances to this people group? And uh, 
Uh, he, Paul says in verse 4, certainly not. And I have an exclamation point there. Certainly not. In other words, God's faith in what he was doing uh, was not in any way negated by some of their unfaithfulness. And so that is the reality that you and I live in today. When you and I see believers doing things that believers should not do, and we are hearing them say things that believers should not say, then we, that does not make what God has promised us and entrusted to us null and void. No, it is not without effect. He said, certainly not. And then it, I love these words. Let God be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you, God, are judged. And so God's words are faithful. God's words are full of faith. God, when he entrusts these things to you, he believes that they are coming to pass, and they will all come to pass. Amen. A, several days ago, uh, there was someone, a, a member of our church, a lady who uh, was a member of our church in the beginning and then came back in the last several years, uh, came to talk with me and said, Pastor, Pastor Don, you gave me a word 36 years ago. That was before uh, we were a church. It was 36 years ago when I was preaching at a place called Disciple House. And she said, that word has just come true. It was a very, very powerful and great word. And then Sister Martha came in to the office one day and said, Pastor, without knowing uh, uh, that these were, this was a testimony, said, what you told me many, many years ago has come true, and it's come true in my family. It's come true in my, in my children's life. This is so amazing that God is faithful. Sometimes we feel as though, well, maybe God is not going to do it because too much time has elapsed. Time is in God's hand. You know, God is much greater than time, and he is much greater than what you and I deduce from our, our own lives. He is amazing. Paul tells us in Romans 2, 28, and I want you to turn to Romans 2, 28 uh, and 20, 29. So when we talk about the fact that, that uh, Paul says, what advantage uh, then has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? Sometimes we look at scriptures like this, and we will go off what we call half-cocked. Uh, half-cocked comes from an expression where in the old days when they had a, the pistol, they would pull it back a part of the way. You could pull it back ha half of the way, and it wouldn't shoot. You had to pull it all the way back. And so we'll go off half-cocked. We're not ready for action half-cocked. And so uh, when we read what advantage then has the Jew, we can read this and misinterpret it. And, and by the way, I want to say before I finish that I am in no way anti-Semitic. Absolutely not. My dad taught me to love the Jewish people. He taught me that. And I was sitting in that office where I am today. I, uh, I was sitting in that office many years ago, and the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want you to be good to the Jewish people. He told me that. He said, I want you to be good to them. He said, I want you to be good to those children of theirs who bless you with what you have. He said, be good to their children because their fathers blessed you. This is amazing, isn't it? And so Paul tells us in, in uh, Romans 2.28, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Wow. So Paul explains to us that, that God has 
committed to the Jews, those who are spiritually Jews, those who are naturally Jews, he has committed to them the oracles of God, his utterances. So it's not only those who are of Israeli descent, it is also of the, those of us who are in Christ. So he says, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So, so, so you and I are a part of that amazing company because we are in Christ. Let's look at, when we talk about the oracles and the utterances, we want to be able to use God's words. When you pray, don't just use clever words, but use God's words. When you, use His words all the time. I, I like to uh, be careful about saying, reading a scripture, and then saying, now in other words, no, let's not use other words. Let's go into the scripture and find his words, because what you find is that the scripture uh, interprets the scripture. Yeah. And so this is what we want to do. I want us to look, uh, take a look at Stephen's account of what God demands of us. Now, you and I are living in a time when the demands of God are real. They are real. You and I have personal preferences. We do. We have personal preferences. But I have vowed, I, I have made a commitment that I will never, ever uh, walk after personal preferences when I'm with you, when I'm among you. So that means that I treat you the same way as I treat my family. And you may think, uh, that's impossible. No. Perfect love demands that. I, I've told you the story when I was uh, quite young, uh, in my early 20s or what adult, adulthood. Uh, I remember reading the scripture. Actually, it was a pastor who had come to Pastor Fields uh, there in Kingsville. He'd come to his church and he was preaching, and he made a comment. He said something like, "Like God loves you as much as He loves Jesus." And I thought, "Mm mm, you know, that's just not right. That's not fair. He he shouldn't have said that." And then I was reading in John 17. Uh, somewhere around 26, verse 26, and I was reading that God loves us with the same love He loves Jesus, the same love for Jesus He has for us. And one day I was talking about it because I, it was hard for me to accept that because I thought, I'm just not the man Jesus is. I am not wonderful as Jesus is. And I was talking to the Lord and I was praying, and I said, Father, I just don't understand how you could do that. It's, it just doesn't seem right to me. And He spoke so vividly clear to me. He said, if I were to love you, with a, a lesser love, that means my love would not be perfect. And so you and I must love each other with perfect love. Stephen's account in Acts chapter 7, let's look at verses 30 through 39. And he, he accounts with, of Moses when Moses was confronted by God. He says, when Moses saw it burning, it means the burning bush, when he saw it, the burning bush, he marveled at the sight and as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him. Those were utterances of God that came to him. We don't know how to speak a language unless we're taught. And God is teaching us to speak his language. I heard in the 70s believers saying things like, uh, well, we, we talk Christianese. Remember those statements? We talk Christianese. We have to stop talking Christianese, and we need to start talking like the world. I heard those things from pulpiteers. 
you know, let, let's talk so they can understand this. I want us to talk so they can understand. But there are some first principles. There are some easy things to understand in God speak. So we want to be guilty of God speak and not of framing things in a worldly way. I am so sure that there are some brothers and sisters who would disagree with this statement, but I disagree with their disagreement. So he says, the voice of the Lord came to him saying, verse 32, I am the God of your fathers, uh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. I love the way he says that. I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. I mean, that is what happens when we come into the presence of a holy God. When somebody says to me that, oh, I uh, was in the presence of God, and God said this, and God said that, but there was no fear and trembling, I think they just had a, a vivid imagination. Because everyone in the Scripture was like Moses. They trembled. Uh, uh, Daniel was, couldn't stand him, and his knees were knocking. His joints were just messing up because when he saw the angel. Look at verse 33. Then the Lord said to him, said to Moses, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And my heart is that God would speak that to us through his words, and that you and I would, would take off, as it were, our sandals off our feet. That is, we would take off uh, our, uh, that which leads us in the way we want to go, rather than the way God wants to go. So when Moses took his sandals off his feet, then he's saying, I'll go where you tell me to go. I won't do my own thing. And so I believe that you and I are living in a time and an age when we talked about these many years ago. We talked about these times when many of us were young people. We talked about these kinds of times, and we find ourselves in them, and there are still some among us who don't know what to do. So I want to continue to preach as I'm preaching because these times are critical. We, the body of Christ, must stand and be the body of Christ and let go of all those natural things that we have, we have held on to and those preferences that we have had and those divisive tendencies that we have had and, and those ideas and ideals that were not embedded in the utterances of God. Let them go. Let them go. Let them go. The place where you stand is holy ground. So everywhere you and I stand is holy ground. He says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groanings and have come down to deliver them. It's amazing. So God says, I've come down to deliver them. These are the utterances of God. I have come down to, to deliver them. Now notice what he says. He says, he has come down. And then he says, and now come, I will send you to Egypt. So when God comes down to do a work, which I believe God is doing right now in the midst of us, he is doing it with us, he is doing it in, in, in our uh, eyesight, he is doing a great work, and many don't seem to know. He's doing a great work. There is what I used to hear when I was a boy, there's going to come a shaking, they would say it like that, there's going to come a shaking, I'll, I offer to you, is here. It is here. And those of us who name the name of the Lord, let's depart from all iniquitous behavior. Let us draw close. Let's depart from those things. 
You, you know, you can't in that day say, well, Lord, I've done a lot of good works. He said, no, no, no. Depart from me. Your work was of iniquity. Verse 35 says, this Moses whom they rejected, the people of God rejected the deliverer. They rejected the deliverer. Can you imagine? Those to whom the utterances of God, the oracles of God had been delivered. So when the, the, the tangible, the reality, the human form of those utterances came, they didn't even recognize them. So how can I have the utterances? How can I ha have internalized them? But when the reality comes, I have no idea. That's why it, it boggles my mind when believers say, I don't know what to believe. Oh, man, that breaks my heart. Now, there are maybe an, an instance when you may not know, you know, I, 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 may I just say, just digress for just a moment, and say there may be an instance where you don't know. There are sometimes, I married my, when I married my wife, my wife was a lot more intelligent about things than I was. I was I was a grown up sort of in a Christian home, but it didn't mean I was I was uh, per se naive, but I was very innocent and did not know some things. And I'm not saying that she didn't grow up in a Christian home. I'm just saying that she was more mature in these things than I was, and she could discern falsehood like pow pow pow. And I thought, okay, God uh, connected me with somebody who could do that very very easily and quickly. And so, but I had to grow into that. So I'm saying you may have to grow into that. You see, the God says, my sheep uh, know my voice. They hear my voice and they know it. But maybe the lambs don't yet. You know, so, but we don't want, don't want to be perpetually lambs, you know, in, in the sense of being unaware of, of truth. We need to know truth. We are the pillar and ground of the truth. And so, and since we have the utterances of, utterances of God, we must be able to stand. He says, this Moses whom they rejected saying, who made you a ruler and a judge? I'm seeing that even in the body of Christ now. Are you okay with me telling you just the truth? I'm seeing that in the body of Christ, or should I say in the visible church. I'm seeing that in the visible church that, that many are rejecting those who are sent by God. Then Moses this Moses whom, what, the people of God, they rejected, saying, who made you a ruler and a judge, is the one God sent to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. It's an amazing uh, story. So he, he, he brought that one that they were saying, we, we, don't, we don't want you to be over us. That was the very one who had the utterances of God. He had the utterances of God. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Just a moment. Uh, let's look at verse 37 of this same chapter. I'm going to go from 36, 37. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. He says the one who re was rejected, God says he's going to raise up somebody like me. He's going to raise up somebody that is rejected by you. It was right there in the scriptures. So let's keep this in mind and in our hearts. And he says, Moses went on to say, him you shall hear. So the one that God was going to send 
like Moses, is a rejected deliverer. So we have to take these words of God to heart and, and not feel that we owe the flesh an obligation or we even owe our friends who are not here yet. We don't owe them. We owe God. This is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness and the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers. Now, now he says the angel or the angel or the angel of the Lord or the pre-incarnate Christ spoke to them and their fathers. The one, listen, the one who received the living oracles. So Moses got, received the living oracles, the living utterances. So that means that the words of God are not just dead words. They are active. They're, the word of God is sharp. And so he wants us to understand that when we use his words in our prayers, when we use his words in our uh, consolations of, of those and in encouragement, they are living words. They are living oracles. So Stephen said, this angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, to do what? To give to us, to give to us. And so my job and the job of others who minister here are to give us uh, the, the living oracles of God, the living utterances, not nice speech, speeches. Not nice speak, but the living Word of God. And so with each of us, we should be alive inside. The Word of God should be moving in us. This is whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. So Stephen was telling, telling the Sanhedrin that. The Sanhedrin, he was saying that our fathers would not obey. And so we find that this is continuing. This is like a, a continuous loop, and it's keep, it keeps going. What was then is now. There was always a remnant promised by God, a remnant promised by God. He, they would not obey, and in their hearts they turned back to Egypt. So in, in the time in which we're living, so in, in their hearts, they're not turning back to, quote, unquote, the real Egypt, but they're turning back to the world. Like, what is the world saying? What is pragmatic? What is so pragmatic? I will do those things. So the, the Lord's move on me. By the way, let me just tell you this quickly, and I'm out of my time. But let me tell you uh, very quickly that I had planned to preach another message, and I called Sister Rose this morning, and I said, I I'm going to change my message because of the Lord telling me to do so. I'm going to, let's go to 1 Peter 4, uh, verse, verses 10 and 11, and then we'll find an exit here in just a moment. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. You and I are living in a, in a phenomenal time. It's not a time of peace and ease and God taking us back to something we call normal. It's not going to happen. Oh, we can have some respite, you know, a little rest from, from some craziness and, and uncertainty, but no, God's not going to take us back to a worldly standard. No, 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 no. God is doing something greater than that. Amen? We told you about economy last, last Sunday. We told you about that. No matter how we, we are so involved in economy here in America and around the world, the, the economy, the economy, the economy. <clears throat> and God has a greater economy where, where the plowmen overtake the reapers. We have never seen that. But, but we are the people of God. That's our inheritance. Are, are you with me? That's our inheritance. And don't look and wonder if it's your inheritance. Say, yes, it's my inheritance too. And then you should, you should participate in it. Allow yourself to say, yes, 
even when you want to be mum. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11, it says, And each one has received a gift. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. What he's saying is that God has gifted all of us. All of us have something to give. Each person has something to give. So I don't know. You have something to give. My wife says there's even a blessing in your hello. I've told you about that story. A blessing in your hello. And I used to say, I wonder why she keeps saying that. And I was studying for a Christmas message, and I saw and I just, it just jumped off the pages, leapt off the pages when um, Mary uh, went to see Elizabeth. And she said something to this effect, I'm sure. Hello, Elizabeth. Or shalom, Elizabeth. And John the Baptist started to move, jump. She said he leapt in my womb. Boop! Oh, John the Baptist got filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I say he got filled with the Holy Ghost? Yeah. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. Yes, there's a blessing in the gifts that God has given to you. The Holy Spirit has ministered the gift to you. And don't just be idle and saying, I just don't know where it is. He says, because we're stewards of the, the variegated grace of God. It's always multidimensional and like multicolored. All of our gifts aren't the same. Some of us, well, I just, I like I just like teaching. I just like, I don't care about that. I like teaching. Oh, uh, you're a teaching junkie. I don't like it all. It's all from God. Can you imagine, you know, you're sitting at the banqueting table of God and uh, you, you go, uh, you go, he, you know, he serves you some green beans. You go, I don't like beans. I just like steak. Whatever God's giving, you, you, you need to eat it. Wh whatever he's presenting through the body of Christ, you need to receive it. Come on, because we're going to need each other as we walk through these perilous times. The Bible says we would live in perilous times. Get out from that thing that holds you. Let go of every weight and sin that so easily beset you. Let's run this race with endurance, with patience, with endurance that is set before us. Are you still with me? Amen. Then he Paul says, I mean, Peter says, if anyone speaks, if anyone speaks, you and I speak. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. I was doing some study because I thought, let me study this and find out what some of the, the great minds, the Christian minds are saying. And I didn't like it, so I stopped it. They were saying, no, we don't speak like the apostles do, did because uh, that was uh, before the canon of scriptures were compiled. And now that the canon has been compiled, we don't speak uh, as with the oracles of God. We don't speak as the oracles of God. But I say to you, they are wrong. You say, well, Don Lavelle, you, you're not seminary trained. I'm still, I'm God trained. I've been homeschooled by God. Yeah, homeschooled by God. I know. And the Holy Spirit says, no, that's wrong. He says, you are the New Testament church. It's not like the New Church, uh, Testament church ceased to exist and now we're something else. No, we are those who Paul Peter said are to speak the utterances of God. He says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. It's a God thing that in all things, why? It's got to be God, the words from your lips, not what somebody said over there in 
in Washington or, or, or Austin or even it's our city hall or maybe in some other sphere. It's not what they say. You and I are the people who are to talk about what God says and to re repeat what God says. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, somebody. No, his utterances. He has given us living oracles. That's why we say something about cancer. You stop. It has to stop. I might never will forget Fran, Fran, Fawn, over there, Fawn, over there. When I came, we came to this city, she was about, oh my goodness, six months from death. Had a huge, I think about the size of a football, cancerous tumor. They say, you, you can't live. You're going to die. But, but the church began to believe in the utterances of God. And they prayed. We, did, we all prayed for her. And now, close to 40 years later, she's still alive and thriving. Don't forsake the utterances of God. We are the church of the living God, and the living God gives us living utterances. Hallelujah. So when we minister, let us do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things, now listen, that in all things, speak God, speak his oracles, his utterances, Minister with the ability that God supplies. Why? So that in all things, God may be glorified through whom? Through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And ever and ever. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In the name of the Lord, we thank you. We're your people, we're the sheep of your pasture. So in the name of the Lord, we give praise. And we speak the utterances of God. And whatever you say, we say. Jesus, you did it when you were here. You had a commandment of what you should say. And you said whatever God said. And you had, you had unprecedented success because you obeyed him in all things. And we too, your church, your body, we're not the body of anything else or anybody else. We don't owe allegiance to anybody before you. We get our orders from you. You are, you are our king, our captain, Jesus. And whatever you say, we do. We appreciate you today. We appreciate you for this body. And I just pray, Lord, that everyone would have strength to continue with us. Those who began with us, let them end with us. And, and let us go on to see what you are going to do in the days to come. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.